0: This is episode 524 with motivational speaker, Jake Thompson. So talk to me about one of those choices, one of the seven choices that you mentioned in the book.
1: Yeah, so I think in terms of the athletes, the one that I always go back to is the importance of outworking your talent. And hmm. it's, it's number two, it's the, really the first of the seven choices we go through because it's so easy for us to make the excuse that talent is the reason we didn't succeed. Uh Everyone makes that excuse, when in reality, Angela Duckworth in her book, Grit, talks about the power of effort and how their research shows talent counts, but effort is twice as important. And and that's why we see incredibly talented athletes at every level, every year, get passed by far less talented athletes that just Uh had greater work ethics, stronger drives, and better consistency. Welcome to Athlete Maestro, a podcast tailored for athlete development, improvement, and peak performance. And now, here's your host. Uh, So a few
0: months ago on the podcast, uh, we had Gannon Baker on, Global Player Development Coach. Uh, you know and uh, one of the best coaches uh, basically in uh, the world you know and I thought that uh, having him on you know was was pretty special and of course it was pretty special but you know when Jake reached out to me and you know asked that we appear on each other's podcast you know I I didn't expect the level of connection I'm, I'm just being honest guys I didn't expect the level of connection uh, that we had, you know, and how great of a podcast episode we were able to put together. It was literally like I'd known Jake before I actually talked to him, you know. So we, we got on video, you know, and it was it was almost like we had known each other. The the conversation was so smooth, and I've told you guys, anybody that I'm bringing onto the podcast, you know, like I, I need to know that they can give you guys value. I need to know that. You're going to listen to that episode and you're going to reminisce on it for months. The reason I used that Gannon Baker episode was that if you guys thought that episode was good, you know, in terms of the value that we delivered in over an hour, just talking about you know literally lifeblood for athletes then you are going to absolutely love this episode with jake you know the the funny thing about this is that you would have thought you hear me say things like oh he is a coach of this team is this mental performance coach and things like that but aside from the fact that you know jake is a motivational speaker he's the founder of compete every day and you see as an athlete that is exactly what you're doing you are competing every day if you don't compete every day. Guess what? There is somebody who wants your slot who is competing every day. So I, I just felt like his message resonated. His brand resonated. Everything that he does resonated. And trust me, man, it translated into that conversation as well. The minute we finished the episode, you know, so this podcast episodes are planned in advance. The minute we finished the episode, it was literally like I should release it for you guys like the next week so that you guys could hear it so I've, I've been pinching myself and itching you know because i've, I've had it uh, in the works we recorded this i think a, a month or thereabout about ago you know and uh, trust me just listening it, listening to it over myself you know i'm just smiling literally like from ear to ear we talked about so many things we talked about jake's book uh, that is coming out. And, of course, as you're hearing this, that book is out as well. We talked about the seven key choices uh, that you need to make in order to excel, you know, at work, at life. You know, Jake gave us tips, you know, on what some of those things were. Uh, we talked about the 1%, you know, of these guys. What's the 1% thing with this pro athletes? You know, we talked about that. We talked about falling in love with the process. You know, as an athlete, you're going through a process, whether you want to admit it or not. You are going through a process. How do you fall in love with this process? How do you track the progress you're making? So this is where I was in January 2020. Now it's July 2020. How am I supposed to track that progress? We talked about mental stuff, you know, for children as well. So if you're a parent, you're listening to this episode, you know, we talked about that because guess what? jake has a podcast that is targeted at raising future superstars so can you see like it's like this guy has he has everything literally the everyday brand now working on raising new generation of athletes i could go on and on and on and on and on uh, about the things that we talked about but i want you guys to hear it yourself this episode guys is brought to you uh, by my athlete maestro daily planner that's one of the things that we talk about as well you know in terms of you getting into the habit as an athlete, you know, of journaling and planning your day properly. Basically, it's a digital planner, you know, that gets you a step closer to where you want to go. Because just like I said, you're going to learn how to track your progress. Head over to maestro.com forward slash daily planner. Maestro.com forward slash daily planner to get your hands on that Athlete Maestro daily planner. Of course, when you do that, when you get that, come back to this episode i'm going to let you be the judge executioner and jury and all of that stuff yes i'm a lawyer you know so i should know the way those things are arranged but you can tell how excited i am i'm going to let you judge how good this episode was with my friend jake thompson welcome everyone back to the athlete maestro podcast and um, if there's anything that you guys know Uh, about me is that you know anytime a guest comes on to the podcast is always special you know we've seen that with all the guests that have come on to the podcast because I kind of work with my intuition in terms of bringing guests on and you know the knowledge and you know what they can pass on to us as listeners and as athletes and you know every other person that's listening to this and my guest today on the podcast is Jake Thompson now Uh, Look, I I feel like just fast forwarding and just going in and just discussing everything that we want to discuss You know, he's a great guy. You know, he's a motivational speaker He's also uh, the founder chief encouragement officer chief executive officer, you know everything of compete every day, you know And it's a fabulous brand and all the good things that they do. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jake
1: Dude, thanks for having me excited to hang out today. This is gonna be fun.
0: Uh, it's going to, it's really, really going to be fun. And one of the things I find fascinating, you know, about uh, the brand Compete Every Day, you know, is, is that um, perseverance, so to speak, in terms of uh, the message that it passes across in terms of how you should go after this thing. What was your motivation behind starting this? You know, Compete Every Day, you would think that everybody would know it off the top of their head that you should compete every day. What was the motivation behind you starting this?
1: Yeah, I guess I got lucky nobody had thought about trademarking it or making it a brand before I did. Uh, You know, I I grew up in a small Texas town here in the States. Uh, I was a smaller athlete, similar to yourself. Uh, I love sports, passionate about sports, but I knew my talent wasn't going to be the separating factor. And so for me, competition became the opportunity to say, hey, I can outwork you and I can outsmart you. I may not be the best athlete, but I can find a way to win. And so I've always had this competitive drive throughout my life. And really, as I got older, I lost some of it. You know, when we leave sports, Uh there's that loss of identity. You lose not only the bonding with teammates, but you lose a competitive outlet. And later, kind of in life, my mid-20s, I was marketing consultant. I was working with a number of companies. I wasn't happy with my work. Um, Uh I wanted to do something more. Really, it came down to... How can I build something, create something that, that makes a bigger impact than on just me? How can I influence the way other people see the world? And I started toying with this idea of competing every day. And, wow. and not in a sense of it's me versus you, but in uh-huh. a sense of it's me versus me. How am I going to push myself today to do just a little bit better, to go a little bit harder in a workout, to do a little bit better on sales calls? And as I'm toying with it, I started teasing the idea out to friends and they were like, that's you, like that fits you, run with it, do something with it. And so I spent about six to eight months tinkering with with some different ideas before finally I settled on apparel uh, back in 2011. And so just started selling t-shirts with the message, trying to tell anyone and everyone I could about it. And over the last kind of 10 years almost, uh, the business has grown uh, I do a lot of keynote speaking now. My book, first mm-hmm. book just came out. And so really it's all around the idea of helping people understand that their biggest competition is not with anyone else. It doesn't matter if you're an athlete actively playing, if you're mm-hmm. working a corporate job, if, if you're a mom or, or a dad staying at home. Like your biggest competition is with that person in the mirror. And mm-hmm. we should all strive to win every day to compete against who we were then so that we continue to show up better each and every day for the people we work with, we play with, and we live with.
0: I love that message. You know, and it's, it's the fact that you know, a lot of people, when, when they hit roadblocks, you know, I think that's when they find out who they really are. You know, and that's when they find out what they're made of. You know? So you see a lot of people break, and you're going to see a lot of people who are going to find solutions. And I think you know, that's one of the great things that you have done. You mentioned your book, which is at the time when – Everyone is hearing this. I think it should be out. But yep. at the time it's, we're recording it is out. this. It is out and exactly. rolling. Yep. At the, at the time we're recording this, it's it's almost out. Almost out. Talk to me about this book, Compete Every Day. What was your motivation behind writing the book?
1: Yeah. So I should have written this a decade ago. Uh, my, my team was on me for a number of years to write a book. And, and really, mm-hmm. I went through pretty much everything that, that everyone kind of goes through when you're getting ready to do something big, whether it's sports mm-hmm. or, or life, you deal with the imposter syndrome. You deal with the idea that other people have already said what you're going to say, or they're doing what you're going to do. It's, it's like your podcast, like you have a great podcast and you probably dealt with the voices of like, well, there's other podcasts out there talking about this Good. stuff, but we needed your unique voice. And so for me, it was that, that battle and and really two years ago, on the speaking side, I lost a handful of, of opportunities because I didn't have a book. Point blank, wow. they said, we love you. We think your content's perfect, but you don't have a book. And, and so we need someone that does. And I, my competitive wow. side was like, game on, I'll see you next year. <laughs> and so I sat down and started finally putting words to paper that I should have done really? years ago. And really the whole point of the book is about the idea of like sports is like life. And I think a lot of times we get Mm -hmm. caught up believing that they are different worlds. That in sports, Mm. if you have talents, great. But if you show up and you work hard and you train, you outsmart, like you have an opportunity to play. There's lucky breaks that happen. There's, you know, opportunities that sometimes you get because somebody got hurt, things outside of your control. But at the end of the day, sports at every level, there are incredibly talented people that fail to ever get it done because they don't Mm -hmm. understand the importance of the small choices, the little things we do every day. And so I wanted to write that book because for a lot of my life, I saw life differently. I thought life was about connections and lucky breaks and just being in the, quote, in crowd. And uh-huh. the older I got, the more I started to see the fallacy in that. And it's like, no, it's, it's showing up. It's doing the little things every day. It's being consistent. It's the same things I knew from sports. And so the book outlines just seven choices that leaders make to win in life. And that's ultimately the core. But what are the things that if you were to read that book and apply it to your sports career could take you to another level. And if you applied it to your sales, speaking, whatever your career is could take it to another level. And I laughed that it's called the not so secret secret. Cause most people are going to read it and be like, well, it's
0: busy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: I, I should have known that. But for a lot of us, like it stares us right in the face and we forget that truth. We think something's different about us. And in reality, like this is the formula. Ah, fantastic. I love
0: love that thought. I was going to, some thoughts came into my mind now as it related uh, to your podcast, but you know, you mentioned those seven choices. Can you share one of those choices with us? Because um, one of the things that I've seen over time, especially as relates to athletes, is that, you know, they feel like the easy things should not be that easy. And one of the things that I always try to make them understand is that the mere fact easy doesn't mean that it's easy to do. And it is those easy things that people often forget to do. You know, so as little as stretching, you know, before an exercise, before a game, you know, those things force you to pull your hamstrings. They force you, you know, to pull a muscle, you know, and things like that. So you'd have been thinking after you've gotten injured, of course, you're not thinking like, oh man, maybe I should have stretched for like two minutes and things like that. So talk to me about one of those choices, one of the seven choices that you mentioned in the book.
1: Yeah. So I think in terms of the athletes, the one that I always go back to is the importance of outworking your talent. And Hmm. it's, it's number two, it's the, really the first of the seven choices we go through because it's so easy for us to make the excuse that talent is the reason we didn't succeed. Hmm. Everyone makes that excuse. When in reality, Angela Duckworth in her book, Grit, talks about the power of effort and how their research shows talent counts, but effort is twice as important. And and that's why we see incredibly talented athletes at every level, every year get passed by far less talented athletes that just had greater work ethics, stronger drives and better consistency. And so the idea is if you have incredible talent, you still choose to outwork it, that's what can make you great. And if you have average talent, if you choose to outwork it, that can take you to another level, well past talented players. And that's just not in sports, that's life. You know, I laughed uh, here in the States, we just finished two weeks ago, the ESPN documentary, The Last Dance, on Michael yeah. Jordan,
0: Yeah,
1: 10 part series. And the one thing you see watching mm-hmm. that is Jordan was the hardest worker on his team. And I got into an argument with someone on Twitter Who is talking about Jordan and Jordan terrible role model and whatever and he won because of talent? I was like, there is no way you can watch that and say he won because of talent. He had talent. There were incredibly talented guys in the NBA. Jordan outworked everyone. And and this the reference I use as a Dallas Mavericks fan here is a little guy named J.J. Barea who's five eleven, maybe two hundred pounds, wasn't drafted. But over the last 10 years, he's made, you know, over $71 million. He's got an NBA championship ring. He, he's a role player, bench player, but like he stayed in the game ahead of all of these other guys who were highly talented, drafted ahead of him. And so that just kind of reinforces as an athlete in sports, if you want to be great, like never rely on your talent. Your talent's going uh-huh. to show up in key moments. But it's the work you do, choosing to outwork it, being 100% every time. That's what puts you at a whole other level and allows you to really succeed.
0: Why do you think that there's this focus on talent? Because I get, I get the point that, yeah, it's, it's, it's the stuff that you can see. Uh, you know, is dribbling, you know, somebody's dunking. Yep. Why, why is there an over-reliance on talent? You know, from, from the sporting perspective and what you've seen, if it's that easy that, hey, You know, you should focus on stuff that is not talent related. Yeah, talent is good. You know, it gets you into the door at least, you know, but you should focus on other stuff. You should focus on some of this more intangibles, you know, as you can call it. Why do you think in your estimation that is so difficult to do?
1: Well, you know, I think it goes back to something you shared on our podcast about the importance uh, or not even the importance, I should say, the inability of us to see beyond the things we immediately see. Uh, And and we see our talent is so good. And especially if we're just focused on our little community. Well, our talent's great. And all we think about is, well, I can beat everybody here. I'm the best in town. We're not thinking about when we go to that next level, all those other guys and girls are the best in their town too. uh, And if we weren't doing the work ahead of time, when we show up, our talent's not going to separate us because when... Talents and even playing field. It's your work ethic. It's your mental game, those intangibles. And so part of it, I think, is is we just don't have the ability to look beyond what we immediately see. Uh-huh. And that's a big skill set. The other is just comfort and complacency. It's easy to not want to do the extra work because you feel you're good enough. And I uh-huh. think that's a giant separator in, in people that succeed over the long term versus the ones that never do or the, the one hit wonder. It's there's this drive that they wanna be better. And it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if they're at the top, they still believe I have more in the tank. And and that's honestly something I'm passionate about because we know as athletes, you walk off the court, you walk off the field at the end of the game, regardless of what the scoreboard says, you can walk off with your head held high knowing you gave Mm -hmm. everything you had, practice, preparation, performance, you left it on the field, like there was nothing else to take out of your body in that moment, win or lose, you're proud of how well you showed up and played versus when you know you didn't do that uh, that well off-season training. You probably weren't locked in in practice. Maybe you took a play or two off in the game. You always walk off looking at the score, asking yourself, what if I'd done better? What if I'd actually given my best? And, and that haunts you. As an athlete, that will haunt you because you'll always look back at that game and think, what if we'd won it? Could I have done more? Could I have played another year? Could I have kept my career going? And life works the same way. Life works the same way that, that we never want to get to the end of our career, the end of our life, asking what if I'd actually tapped out? What if I'd given all of my effort, everything uh, I'd been blessed with in the pursuit of everything I wanted? I can I, At that point, you can die peacefully because you're like, I had nothing left. Like It was a heck of a run. Had some wins, had some losses, but like I gave everything versus the uh, – kicking yourself with that question. What if I'd actually given my best?
0: Yeah, true. And you see, it, it, it's so profound that you mentioned that because, you know, even now when I share my story, I'm not, I'm not afraid to do so because, you know, I feel like, um, the reason why we go through experiences in the first place, you know, is so that those experiences then benefit others. You know, yeah. why would you have gone through something? You know, you keep it to yourself. You know, nobody gets to learn. You know, from those things. And even now, when I share my story with people, you know, there are times. You know, I have to catch the thought. Actually, you know, there are times that I'm thinking like, oh man, if only I knew these things then you know, then maybe I wouldn't have gotten injured. Then maybe, you know, I'd have changed things around and I would have, you know, but all of that is an answer. So I get your point in terms of, you know, you step off that field, you step off that track, off that court, whichever sport it is that you play. And you're thinking to yourself like, oh man, maybe I should have given more. But the good thing and the bad thing about that is that you cannot go back to change it. Now, one of the things that I tell athletes, Jake, and I said this to parents as well, you know, everyone seems to always focus on this idea that, you know, only 1%, you know, get to play professional sports, you know, and out of this number, you know, they're they're always quick to draw out all these statistics and things like that. Now, statistics are great. One of the things that I always say, and I want to see if you agree with me on this or not, and what your thought is, is that, you see, you can look at that statistic all you want, but it's the same, it's a similar statistics with success in the sense that the principles to succeed in life generally are out there. How many people get to succeed in life? The principle to succeed in business, they are out there. How many people actually get to succeed in business and things like that. So I tell a lot of athletes and parents that, yes, that 1% is there. But those 1%, first, they don't have two heads. And secondly, it seems like they're doing something that you might not be willing to do. That's why you're so fixated on that percentage.
1: Yeah, no, I, and, and I would agree with that. I mean, In business especially, the knowledge is everywhere and really it's a matter of are you applying it are you being intentional with learning because in business you're going to mess up you're going to make Uh mistakes what are you going to learn from that before the next time most people don't take the time to reflect back and learn and then head nose back down to the grindstone keep working so it's the same way statistics are out there i mean how many businesses fail in their first year five years ten years there's tons i mean small businesses especially rarely ever make it a decade because things happen outside of their control a lot though is within most of it's because of things within their control lack of focus lack of consistency lack of effort same thing that applies to sports so the statistics are there but as a, an athlete as a parent like you should be motivated to say i'm gonna be the anomaly because I'm going to do all the great things consistently. And guess what? If I, As a parent, I'm like, if they don't, but they learn the importance of consistency, hard work, and focus, the rest of their life is a breeze. Because they've got the formula for success after sports. And that's what really, that's why we play. Like, that's why we encourage you sports. Mm-hmm. That's the importance is because the things we learn there, they set us up for life.
0: I was going to, I was going to ask you, you know, about the parents thing, but but we're going to come back to that quickly. You know, something, you know, just came into my mind. Now your podcast competes every day, you know, is, is out there and, you know, trust me, you yeah, I listened to this guys and it was really, 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 really good, you know, and I mean, I've been doing this podcast now, what, you know, four, going on five years, you know, over 500 episodes, you know, so when I, when I, when I listen to a great podcast, trust me, and I'm not saying that because Dick is here, you know, I messaged <laughs> him immediately, I messaged him immediately, I listened to it, you know, in terms of, you know, how the show is put together and all that, you know, did that coincide with anything in terms of you starting that podcast, you know, and the kind of
1: message you're trying to put out there? Yeah, so the, let's see, we started the company in 2011. Uh, I did a podcast from 2000, say 13 and 14, only recorded like 30 episodes. It was mm-hmm. called like Compete for Your Best Life. It was one of those early in business, you're trying different things to figure it out. And after about 30 episodes, I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this, so I tabled <laughs> it. And the more I kept going back to it of like, podcasts are growing, but more importantly, I'm learning so much, having conversations with you, having, you know, you being on my show and sitting and hearing your story and being inspired by it and and learning from it that I was like, I got to start this again. And so we launched it again at the end of 2016. So we're well behind you. I think we're at like 210 to 20 total episodes. So we've got a ways to go to catch up. But a lot of that was just around the idea that competing every day looks different for everybody. Like Uh in athletes, it's you're competing for some on-field glory sometimes. But for a mom, a single mom, like she's competing to give her kids a better future and position than she had. And what I saw as I had these conversations is everybody's competing for something different. And we needed a a platform Uh to have Uh those conversations to share. And so really our first season, two seasons, were all about other people's stories who I felt were competing every day so you could see them. You could see this former professional female boxer. You could see a mental performance coach. You could, you could see um, you know a guy that was in sobriety and, and had overcome an alcohol addiction. I wanted you to see those stories because I felt like a lot of times people forget like other people are going through what you've gone through. They've gone through either sports or a life struggle that you have. So we wanted to share that. And then over the last two seasons, really the focus has been, okay, there's the stories. There's other people like you, but now similar to you, how can we equip people with a mindset for leadership and a mindset to compete Uh in life? And so those conversations are around those things. What are the little things that we can tweak the small, you know, unseen choices you can make on a day-to-day basis that can really create life changing results if you're consistent with it. so that's really it. It started just as a passion to give people, you know, I guess more awareness of what their situation was. And then now it's become more uh, of just a tool to help equip them on a daily basis. I was going to ask you about the competitive mindset,
0: you know, but you mentioned a few people that you've had on the podcast and these conversations that you're having. You know, I saw that you had Brian Mickler on the podcast, and of yep. course, recently. You had Alistair McCall on the podcast as well. Now, this is, this is not podcast content. Yeah. This is me and Jake sneaking in a conversation into a podcast content. What was it like interviewing those two guys? I love what Ryan does, by the way. Order of Man, if you guys are listening to this, you have not checked that out, absolutely got to check it out. Same thing with Alistair, which is a uh, champion-minded, I believe yep. it is. Yep. What was it like interviewing these guys? Let's just
1: sneak that but, in. Both very different. So Ryan Ryan, and I connected three years ago when we spoke at a an event at a military base in the, in the States. It was an uh-huh. entrepreneurship, of a, uh, entrepreneurship event at their base. We spoke, got connected. And, and so for him, I really enjoyed that conversation because his is all about helping people take personal responsibility for their life. Uh-huh. How do you own it? And really part of the conversation was like, how are you teaching your kids that? How are you modeling it? So it was kind of that combination of the parent side and that. And I got a ton out of it. Like, I don't have kids, but I started, you know, doing those conversations so I can learn ahead of time. And so Ryan has just continued to accelerate because he stands firm in what he believes. He continues to preach his message and he'll have open conversations about anything. And so, like you, I highly recommend it. Alistair's was a very different one because it was very recent and I enjoyed his because it was really right in the middle of COVID in the whole worldwide panic when we recorded it. And it was all about self-awareness and self-reflection. And I think that timing of when we recorded and released, it was a perfect opportunity for a lot of people. And I can say this because 10, 15 years ago, I probably wasn't going to be the guy taking the time to actually build a self-awareness around what habits (laughs) do I like? What habits do I actually want to keep? What, yeah. What parts of my life do I want to leave behind when COVID ends? What do I want to take with me? And so that was that was really interesting because he's a very uh very insightful guy. He does a lot of self-reflection. Um, and so that was a very different conversation than with Ryan's. And so uh fantastic, both guys, great. Alistair's got a new book out, uh Ryan's book, Sovereignty is around here somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Is a great one as well. Uh, And so, yeah, I, I definitely appreciate those two guys. Uh, But similar, man, just having a conversation with you as well. That's on our show. Like everyone's, we're moving towards similar destinations in terms of helping others try to improve their life. And every time you have those conversations, it's, it's just encouraging because it's so easy to get on our phones and to scroll Mm -hmm. social media Mm -hmm. and to just be like, you know, loss of for words for humanity sometimes and how people react and what people do to other people. And it just really can can deflate you. But then you have conversations with people like yourself, with Alistair, with Ryan. And you're like, no, like there's good people in the world doing work to try to help others. Like that's where the focus needs to be. Don't be distracted by everything else out there. Like, a, like mm. an athlete, don't listen to who's in the stands, <laughs> quit listening to fans cheering or yelling curses at you focus on the play on the field, on your teammates, on the other people trying to score in that end zone. Uh, and we'll somehow get there.
0: Oh, fantastic. I just had to sneak that in there because. Oh, I know Yeah. I was-
1: you know, while, while I, was, I, it, I was like, I interviewed Ryan, like, oh, wow, that's,
0: uh, you know, seems to be good and things like that. So I just had to ask you, you know, but in terms of talking about this um, complete everyday mindset, you know, how does this apply to athletes? You know, so there's an athlete that's listening to the podcast right now, because one of the things I try to do is I try to make it as relatable as possible. I put myself in the position of an athlete, you know, so I'm the one competing. What kind of questions would I want to ask? What kind of things would I want to know? You know, so there's an athlete that's listening to our conversation right now, you know, and all the things we're saying and, you know, he's hearing this compete every day, compete every day. You know, he's been thinking that he's been competing every day. She has been thinking that, you know, I kind of have this thing figured out a little bit. What does it mean or what would it mean for an athlete who's
1: listening to us to compete every day? Yeah, I think the best way is is to really ask yourself every day, how can I do better today? How can Mm -hmm. I do better today? And it's one simple question that I think could change someone's life because from a competitive standpoint, it's really easy as athletes. We're looking ahead to game day. We're thinking about an opponent. We're thinking about somebody we're trying to beat out on the depth chart. We're worried about other people, like what other people are doing, when at the end of the day, the only things we control – are our attitude, effort and actions. Like that is us. And so really to compete every day to adopt this mindset is to answer the question, how am I going to do better today? How am I going to push myself harder during that training session? How am I, if I'm still in school right now with athletics, how am I going to be present in the classroom? How am I going to prepare for a game day that could be nine to 10 months away by continuing to push myself and, and to get better And so it's pushing yourself, embracing the idea that every single day is a competition against bad habits, bad thoughts, negative self-talk, toxic relationships, Uh and just deciding like where I'm trying to go with life. What I'm trying to accomplish is more important than those things. And so I'm not going to allow them for me to take a step back. I'm not going to allow them to push me in a negative direction. I'm going to show up and find a way to do better today in some area of my life. And if you apply that formula every single day, it's, it's amazing what can happen in your sports career, in your relationships, in your life, because you're just constantly looking for learning opportunities to grow and get better. What would you say to the
0: athlete who has heard that? And, oh, no, yeah, that's great. You know, that's nice. You know, but, you know, I'm competing every day. You know, I'm focused on my attitude. I'm focused on my effort. You know, I'm giving everything but I'm not seeing the results. You know, so for how long should I continue to do this? For how long, you know, should I continue to compete every day? You know, if I'm not seeing the result, am I supposed to compete every day until the end of my career? And then I don't see any tangible things from it. What do you say to
1: that athlete, they're giving their best, they're working their socks off, but they're just not seeing the results? So there's two pieces to that. So the first is the idea that there's a there's a cartoon graphic, and I wish I I wish I knew who drew it. But it's two gold diggers. It's two old 49ers, and they're carving their way through rock, trying to get to diamond. Mm. And the top guy has got his pickaxe on his shoulder, and he's walking away, and he's quit. He's been going at it for years. And literally, you can see it. If he had two more swings, that diamond is right there. And then you see the other guy who has a lot farther to go, but he's still swinging his axe every day. And so what I tell people is like, the day you decide to give up, what if the next day is the day you were going to reach? It? What if tomorrow is the day you're going to succeed? We don't always see that end goal and it's never going to show up in the way you want. It's never going to show up when you want. Success it takes so much longer than anyone anticipated. Ask anyone that's ever started a business and they're going to tell you like, the podcast downloads I wanted, the audience I wanted, the sales like <laughs> took longer than I ever anticipated because it's a process. It's embracing the process and the journey of getting better. And so the focus shouldn't solely be on the outcome, but should be on loving the process. And if you fall mm-hmm. in love with the process, fall in love with practice, fall in love with training, fall in love with just getting better, then you're not as worried about that outcome. See, outcome focus, that's a game day type focus and mentality because you care about the score, you care about the game, but the process of improving and preparing for it, that's just learning to love the, the idea of getting better, the process of getting better. And so the first thing I would tell them is they need to learn to fall in love with that. They need to get their eyes off the finish line and learn to fall mm-hmm. in love with the day-to-day process because if you're so fixated on the finish line and where you're trying to go and that's all you care about, when you get there, you're probably going to be unhappy because it's not everything you thought it was going to be. And there's athletes every year that win championships Uh and they're disappointed because it's not as fulfilling as what they thought it was going to be. And there's other ones that love it, but man, they want to be in training camp. They want to be in practice. Like they just love the process of it. And that's a big separator. The other piece is, If you fall in love with the process and the idea of the things you're learning, the consistencies, the getting better, just the grind part of it, then that's going to set you up for life after sports in a way that most non-athletes will never relate to because they've never had to go through the grind. They've never had to go through nine months of off-season training just for one game. And they've never had the idea of, man, a game is seven months away and I'm out here running bleachers or sprints till I want to puke. But I know a game is coming, and I've got to be ready for it when it shows up. People in the real world without sports, they don't know that. They, they're just like, well, my opportunity is going to get here. I'll get ready then. And they get passed by all these former athletes who are training and preparing and working for that opportunity before it ever shows up. And so when it does arrive, they seize it. So don't get so distracted by the just small perspective of just this sport outcome. Look at it in the grand scheme of life, what you're doing for yourself, And embrace that process.
0: Um, So I'm going to ask you, you know, how athletes can fall in love with the process, but I I just want to do a quick follow-up to what you just mentioned. And so, you know, like I just said, like a few minutes ago, you know, the podcast just hit, um, you know, over 500 episodes now, you know, and I put it on my social media that, you know, 500 episodes of Athlete Maestro and all of that, you know, and people were like, oh, wow, like how did you do 500 episodes of a particular thing, you know, and things like that. Then. I brought someone onto my team recently as well, you know, to, you know, do some work for me, you know, and he listened to an episode of the podcast, obviously a recent episode, you know, and it was like, I've never heard audio like that before. Like the audio was so crisp and things like that, you know, and what kept going through my mind through those two experiences with, you know, the the Instagram thing and the person I brought on my team was that you should have been there at episode one when maybe like five people listened to the episode or episode 10, when, you know, I had to record in my wardrobe. Now, I mean, I have a fancy setting, so to speak, now, you know, but then, you know, I'll clear the clothes in my wardrobe, you know, put the microphone there, you know, and record. Or up until episode 50, even episode 100, where, you know, I'll go into those stats, you know, just to be abreast with what's going on, you know, and I would see things like, you know, maybe 15 people, listen, you know, listening to the episode and things like that. So I was like... You know, you should see that. If you're seeing the finished article now, what the podcast has become now, you should be, you should be, uh, what's the word now? You should be intrigued by the journey it has taken to get here. So, you know, I just want to put that out there. And I'm sure you would have seen something like that as well, either with your first podcast or with this podcast, Computer Every Day.
1: What I have, and what I would also say is that probably answers your second question in terms of falling in love with the process, because- mm. The beauty of of a successful competitor and athlete in life is this sense of gratitude. Grateful Mm -hmm. that you get to play. Grateful that you have the opportunity. But more importantly, during the process, grateful for where you come from and what you've grown. Because most people, and outside of sports, you hit the nail on the head talking about your podcast. Most people will fail to launch a podcast because they're like, well, I only have five listeners on the first one. Or it doesn't sound as perfect as so-and-so's. But your first anything is going to suck. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be terrible. Your 10th one's going to be a little bit better. Your 15th gets better. 100th gets better. But you don't get to that 100th, 200th, 500th episode that sounds sharp unless you do the 499 prior and you learn all along the way. And so uh-huh. that's, that's just a big piece of knowing where you come from. And so the fact that you had those memories, like I laugh. I have pictures of our trade show. booth back in 2011. And you see it and you just kind of cringe because you're like, oh, that was a terrible shirt design or, oh, that booth looked horrible. But now you're like, I mean, that's where we came from. Like that's where we learned and we cut our teeth like that. That's part of it. And that's part of the process. And and there's a illustration I use in my book of an iceberg. And if you just Google the success iceberg, you'll see it. But if you look at an iceberg out in the ocean, there's only about 10% above the water. That's all we see. And for most of us, that is success. It's the 10% above the water. What you fail to take into consideration is you do not get the 10% sticking above the waterline without the 90% below it holding it up. The 90% below the water that you will never see. And that is the process. That's the days, the weeks, the months, the years working toward that goal, being gritty, persevering, getting back up, learning, getting better. Like that's what holds it up. And so if somebody's going to come into you and see your show and be like 500 episodes man you do this so amazingly well man you just have it perfect i should never do that and you mm-hmm. can be like no listen i built the iceberg i built it under the water like this is it and so you fall in love with that process by acknowledging where you come from and looking for those growth opportunities because what happens is if you're putting in the work and training and consistently and getting better in the gym you're training you're working out all the time you may be getting stronger. You may be getting faster. You may be getting better. But if you haven't been tracking your results, Mm -hmm. you don't really know how much better you've gotten. You don't realize you've added 50 pounds to your back squat or you've added an extra two inches on your vertical jump because you never tracked it. But if you start tracking that progress, then you're able to enjoy the process so much better because you can look back and say, man, this is where I've come from. I'm not where I want to be yet. But look at where I've come from. And that's how you fall in love with it because you fall in love with the results of getting better. You're not worried about the outcome, the end result. You're worried about the process of getting better. And so that is what's so important with that entire thing. And, and your podcast story is the perfect analogy of it. You just got to start. Then you got to track it and remember it and look back at, man, this is where I came from. I'm still going forward, but this is what I've overcome. And I'm grateful for that opportunity.
0: You know, I was gonna ask you now, you know, about, about this link between you know the mind and the physical, because you know, in terms of you know falling in love with this process, you know, certainly it's not like you're going to stop all the physical work and start falling in love with the process. You know, this it's it's along the journey. While you're still putting in the work, while you're still being as dedicated as you can, you know, that's when you're falling into the process. So I was gonna ask you about you know the link between that mind and physical, but there was something that you mentioned now in terms of tracking the progress that you're making and how, if you don't do that, you're not necessarily going to know how far you've come. Now, what would you say to the athlete? I'm going to come back to that, you know, linking uh, the mind and physical, but I didn't want to forget this. What would you say to that athlete who is always looking ahead? You know, so uh, I'll use uh, the 100 meters as an example. You know, you you get to 70 meters, you know, and you're looking at the 30 meters that remains, whereas you've just come 70 meters. Like if only you could, have the presence of mind to know that, look, I've come this far. And, and there's something that Eric Thomas says, you know, which I know you're going to know him as well because he's, you know, one of those massive motivational speakers, you know, and he says, I haven't come this far to only come this far. You know, so what would you say to those athletes who are always fixated on how much longer they have to go? How much longer? So you say, I should track my progress. You know, look, I'm, I'm, I still have like so much to do in this thing you know, do I have time to really stop and be tracking how far I've come? What would you say to athletes like that?
1: So there's a couple of a couple of things on that. The first is the talk we just had about gratitude. If you're so fixated mm. on the outcome and you don't get to that outcome or you get there, you're, you're going to realize it's not what you thought it was. It's not mm. going to fulfill you. If you're expecting a certain win or a certain title to give you fulfillment, it will never happen. So the last thing you want is to get to that spot, having sacrificed everything else, relationships, being present, whatever, for that and then get there and realize, man, I, I didn't enjoy this. I, there's more. There's got to be more to this. So that, that's hmm. the first one. second one, the most powerful thing an athlete can have is the ability to be present. And they talked about this in, in ESPN's The Last Dance documentary with Jordan. And they talked about how Jordan's ability to be present in the moment was what made him so dangerous. Because he wasn't worried about two to three plays ahead. He wasn't focused on something that happened last quarter. He was right where his feet were. He was in that moment. And, and as an athlete, you can't be counted on to make a play if you're thinking five, ten plays ahead. You need to be in that play in that moment. If you're distracted about what's already happened, if you just keep replaying a missed shot or a mess up, You can't be in that current moment. And so for the athlete that's only fixated on what's ahead, you're going to miss so much. And you're also going to miss out on opportunities in that present because the best thing you can have as an athlete, the best way to excel is to be where you are. Because if you are where you are, you're focused on showing up today, training your hardest, playing your hardest, being the best teammate you can be that day, knowing tomorrow will take care of itself. You'll get to where you want to go if you focus on winning today great question i see the thing about having great guests on you know people like you jake
0: is that you know the conversation always spills into so many things you know so you know i always i always tell anyone that comes on the podcast you know that hey it's, it's not like it's going to follow a particular trajectory you know but as you're spilling this stuff and things are coming up you know i just have to ask because i'm learning as well you know yep. so i promise we're going to get to this link between uh, you know the mind and the physical but you, you mentioned being present in the moment, and what I'm thinking, you know, what comes to mind as you mentioned that is that I have to be confronted with how good I am. You know, so if you're saying be where my feet are, if you're saying I should be present in the moment, if you're saying you know don't look ten plays ahead, don't look at the next ten years, five years, you know, it, it's what's happening currently. I have to be confronted with the current situation, the current talent level. The current things I'm doing in my sport. What would you say to the athlete who battles imposter syndrome in the sense that every time I stop to be where my feet are, I have to be confronted with whether or not I'm good enough to be here? You know, so I would rather be thinking 10 steps ahead.
1: Yep. I'd rather yeah.
0: think five steps ahead because then I don't have to think about whether or not I'm good enough to even occupy this position in the first place.
1: Yeah, and, and you're, that imposter syndrome doesn't just live in sports. It's part of life. <laughs> and what I say is it's a natural thing for anyone doing something new. If you are getting mm-hmm. out of your comfort zone, imposter syndrome is going to show up. It, it is prevalent in athletes and high achievers in life because you're stepping into new arenas that you're not comfortable in. And so the best way to do it is to overcome it is a few things. Positive self-talk is a a big one. How do you talk to yourself? What are the inner dialogues going on? And then two, just step in and do the work. Like remind yourself, you've done whatever it takes to get to this point. Now just step in and do the work. You don't need to be those 10 steps ahead. That's why we have coaches. Coaches and trainers, their job is to look 10 steps ahead for you. They're where to see where you are now, Mm. help you plot the course, And then they're looking ahead to say, all right, here's how we're going to adjust. We're going to get you here and get you there. Your job is to show up and be the best you can today and let tomorrow and them take care of itself. And and the same goes in the imposter syndrome. If you're worried they're going to, quote, find you out and kick you out, then the best thing you can do is be present, show up and play your tail off to prove I belong. It's to be in that moment so focused and so positive self-talk. The reminder that this feeling is natural for anyone stepping into something new and then to be where your feet are to play your tail off in that moment and say, I've done the work. I belong here. I'm about to show why.
0: I completely agree. I completely agree. And, you know, one of the things I like to do, you know, on the podcast is, you know, to get people to hear from another source, you know, because we we always have this thing in life, you know, especially in sports, you know, um, you're not going to listen to a particular coach because they're not your coach or uh, you're not going to listen uh, to a coach that is your coach until one external person comes in and says, hey, why don't you try this move, you know, and then you try it, you see the success but that's something that your coach has been screaming to you to do, you know, for so long, you know, so that's one of the beauties of having people like you on the podcast, you know, but I promise that we're going to get to that, you know, relationship between, you know, the mind and the physical. And, you know, the the intro that I put to that question to you, you know, was that, you know, in talking about all these things, falling in love with the process, you know, tracking the progress that you're making, obviously there has to be a correlation between continuing to put in that physical work and also, at the same time, being mentally aware of all the things that you mentioned, being where your feet are, falling in love with the process, you know, just the gratitude of the journey that you're on in terms of, look, this is the accomplishment that I'm chasing. This is what I want to do. What is that link? You know, so for the athlete who doesn't get that, you know, so they're, they're always thinking about the physical thing, you know, how they can run fast, you know, hit somebody, yep. tackle, all those things. How do you explain that link between the mind? and the physical as it relates to all this performance-related stuff that you mentioned?
1: Yeah, so I've had the the opportunity to, to have a few of the mental performance coaches on, on our podcast. And the thing that mm-hmm. they all, always go back to is at every level, there's a ceiling on talent. Every level mm-hmm. from the highest all the way down, there's a ceiling on talent. And what separates people is the mental game. It's that mental side, the ability to be present, the ability to rebound from a failure and not just dwell on it, the ability to be focused on what they're about to do without getting distracted, the mental side. So if you're looking as an athlete, you're always looking for a competitive edge. There's Mm -hmm. only so far your body can go. There is a ceiling on your physical talent ability, but there is no ceiling on your mental side. You can always build more of that mental toughness, that growth. Grit, that focus, that ability to be present. And so, as an athlete, like that should be one of your biggest motivating factors because you're going to push your body to its extreme and you're going to tap out at some point. This is only how high I can jump, how fast I can run. And I know if that's it, I've got to find a way to do more to keep my competitive edge. So, what am I going to do? I'm going to outwork that talent by building that mental side because there's no limit to that game, there's no limit to that level. And so that should be your biggest motivating factor is knowing that, yeah, you're going to push the physical side, but if you really want to take it to an edge, you've got to train the mental because every sports has high pressure situations. Guys fold and break in those moments because they don't have the mental game ready to go. Guys excel as if it's just another day in the park. So if you want to really stand yourself out and set yourself apart, even against more talented physical opponents, You got to build that mental side. You know, and I I agree with what you said,
0: Jake. And, you know, it it makes perfect, perfect sense. You know, but, you know, I'm thinking, you know, as well that for a lot of these athletes, um, one of the things that makes this difficult for them is the fact that, you know, it's how they developed. It's how they grew up. You know, so if you grew up in a system that doesn't support, you know, the things that, you know, we're talking about today in terms of the focus on these mental things, they're going to have a problem. And that's why I was really, really happy and fascinated, you know, by your other podcast, which is Raising Competitors, because I feel like parents play a massive, massive role in the development of these athletes. You know, we both mentioned, you know, that we've, we have had um, Alan Stein Jr. on the podcast, yep. you know, and it talks about the Kevin Durant story and how, you know when he was a teenager, you know, struggling, weakest in weight room and things like that, you know, went to Allentine Jr. And of course, you know, was able to train him and all that. His mother was a part of that process, you know, and it wasn't something that he would have done without his mother, you know, being involved and things like that. So parents play a massive role. What's one of the things in, in, in your podcast, you know, Raising Competitors, you know, before I ask you the question I wanted to ask you, what's one of the things that you've seen very prevalent in these parents and their attitude towards raising competitors, like you say?
1: Yeah, so I think the biggest thing that we see really in a sports, especially here in the States, is these parents, and it's gotten more prevalent lately, of removing challenges and obstacles from their kid's path. My kid's not getting enough playing time, I'm moving them to this other team or this other club. It's the coach's fault, it's, you know, everything like that. And, and I think that's kind of a generational thing as well, where we're removing obstacles and adversities from children. And then when those children become young adults, we wonder why they just crumble uh, at the first sign of, of negative feedback or criticism or losing a job. They just can't hold it together. It's because they've never had a challenge in their life. Sports is the ultimate breeding ground for that because you have to fight for your spot on the depth chart. You have to fight for that win and that goal on the court So that's one big thing we see kind of in the space. And so what we try to talk about in the show a lot is, is how can you support your child? Like you want to keep them in a safe environment, but they need to struggle. And so we talk about the importance of just getting them involved in youth sports, heavily into youth sports. And then what are the conversations you're having after the game with them? What are the things you're saying? And and the thing that I hear over and over again, and I've seen in a ton of research studies is how are we talking to the kids after the game? Are the things that we're talking about, the goals, the points they scored, the blocks they had, or are we talking about (laughs) the hustle, how great of a teammate they were, how they encouraged their friends, how they were engaged the entire time? Because what we talk to the kids about as parents is what they're going to take away, what they're going to believe is important. And that continues throughout the rest of our life. The things that we call attention to are the things the other person believes we believe are important. And so as parents, our role is especially praising effort, praising consistency, praising being a good teammate and encouraging. And when you get a mess up on the field or you're benched for something, how do you respond to that? Because that's what's going to happen to you in life. And our job as parents is in sports is to encourage you. But more importantly, we put you in sports to set you up for life. It's not always to go pro. It's to be set up to be a pro in life.
0: Ah, I'm clapping for you, man. Like that's something that that's something that I always say. Because you see, one of the myths, you know, I I don't know, I don't know how, how it works, you know, over there in terms of the system and things like that. But one of the things here, and you hear a lot of parents say stuff like this, is that hey, if I'm gonna get my child involved in sports and he's not gonna play sports professionally, what is the point? You know, going to all these games, taking them to all these trainings, all these races, you know, and I scream because one of the things I'm saying is that look. There are lessons that sports will teach your child that they would never ever learn in any other environment just yep. because of the pure nature that sports is, like in terms of that passion. Now, a five year old, a six year old, a seven year old, you know, is not thinking, you know, about the, the road ahead and things like that. They just want to have fun, they just want to get dirty, you know, and things like that. So, I, I'm, I'm, I'm resonating with everything that you're saying in the sense that, look, it can use sports to build their character and mindset. If they want to go professional, added value. Yep. If they don't want to go professional, it's something that they're going to use for the rest of their life. Of the for the rest of their life, you know. So I completely, completely agree uh, with what you've said. And of course, you answered my question in a way in terms of the role that parents play in sports.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if we looked at it outside of sports, why did most of us take our first job or internship? It's to develop experience and skills mm-hmm. we need throughout the rest of our career. Sports does a great job of teaching life in a very safe environment. Nothing yeah. bad is going to happen to you on the field. You may get injured, but like <laughs> it's the safest environment you can have to deal with. How do you respond to doing well? How do you respond to doing poorly? How do you respond to working with people that are not like you? How are you handling learning to communicate, learning to take coaching and instruction? Like it is the best field to set someone up for life. And and the parent's role is to put them in there to support it and then to let them struggle and learn pieces of it while really reinforcing the positive attributes that they're going to need in life. It's not about going pro. If your kid's great enough to go pro, you get a longer journey as a sports parent. What you should care about most is setting them up for life. And sports just does that beautifully. And what would you say to the parents who are thinking, you know, I've, I've heard all this
0: other stuff that you and Tola have said as it relates to, um, is it only the goals that you're after? Is it only, you know, who they dribbled in that game? Whether they were able to dunk, whether, you know, what their performance was like, you know, and, and many of all these other things. What do you say to the parents who think that you cannot be talking to children about mental stuff, like mental stuff is for the adults. So maybe when they're 18, maybe when they're 19, we're going to start talking about things like that. What do you say to parents who have that mentality? Because, I mean, in my own
1: personal opinion, I feel like that's wrong, but,
0: you know, I lost yeah. to hear thoughts for something.
1: No, I, I would agree. I, I, but I think you can, you can do it in a way that's a different vocabulary. Like there are mm. certain things we teach. We teach our kids about the importance of sharing toys. And we use certain language of like, share your toys and share this. We talk about don't take things from other people. Like we're essentially teaching them don't steal, don't take things that aren't your own, but we're doing it in a very safe environment. Mm. It's the same way with mental performance. And, and really, if you took out the stigma of mental performance, really what we're teaching people is how to be more mentally strong, which means you, you're not broken or bent when things don't go your way when you have an adversity struck, which we can agree is a good thing. We're teaching them the importance of working with others and and having empathy for others' positions, learning to communicate, all positive skills. And so with the parents, I would get out of the idea of the stigma of, oh, I need to be mentally performing. No, we just want to teach character development, leadership skills, so that our kids are set up to be leaders within their teams, their schools, and their communities. And that, if you look at it that way, it's a whole different ballgame. And so it's a matter of asking questions. I mean, the parents role is, is asking the right questions. Did you have fun? Did you play your hardest? You know, you ready to go back the next time? What do you want to work on? Like, how can we help you do these things you want to do? But are you having fun? Are you getting better? You know, are you enjoying the process? And that's how we teach them in a safe manner, the mental side of enjoying that process that we know athletes in their teens and 20s have still not learned that need it.
0: Mm, I I completely agree. And one of the things that, you know, I I started recently as well, you know, was uh, to kind of create a junior version of athlete maestro. So it's called athlete maestro juniors. You know, so targeting these kids at a young age, you know, so we have all this, um, you know, sports affirmations cards, you know, then, you know, we have emotions cards and things like that, you know, uh, just, just the way, just like you mentioned, to pass this message across to them in, in the easiest way possible, where they take in that information, you know, and they are able to start building the knowledge that, hey, something like this exists, you know. So it's not when they're 12, you know, and they go to a camp, you know, and then it's going to be like a brick hit them in the face, you know, and things like that are. So, you know, just to agree with the point that you mentioned, you know, that's one of the reasons why we started that. And if you if you look behind me, you see, Uh, some of the cards you know as well so i i completely agree with that but if there's a parent that's listening to us now and and saying okay i hear this stuff that you're saying and i kind of agree i want to start doing this i want to start helping my child not sure their talent they have in sports whether that's for them to play professional whether that's as a tool to build their character and their mindset what's the
1: easiest way that you suggest they start doing this jake in terms of building that competitive mindset, I I would think honestly, it's just a matter of encouraging, asking the right questions. And and for a kid, it it could be simply the idea of maybe it isn't sports. Maybe it's playing a musical instrument, but it's just challenging them with this idea of, Hey, you did really well last time. Do you think you've got a little bit more? Um, Do you think you could go just a little bit harder? I'm just curious. Like, I don't know if you can. and, And it's feeling out how your kid responds. Like, I'm the one that's going to respond better to a challenge. I'm like, I don't know if you could do as well as you did last time. Oh, I'm going to show you. I'm going to do a am li- going to run a little bit faster. And some kids, they don't respond that well to that way. So you have to ask questions and be like, well, how do you think you could do? Well, do you think there's any way you could get a little bit better? You know, how do you feel about that? And they may be like, yeah, I might can try that. And they would be like, oh, that would be awesome. And then when they do it, whether they hit that mark or they don't, you praise the effort. You praise mm-hmm. them to be like, I loved how you went all out. You gave it's your the absolute absolute results. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, praise the, you praise the process and not the outcome. And mm-hmm. so that yeah. teaches them the importance over and over again of showing up, doing your best, pushing yourself, competing against your old time without being fixated on that outcome. They understand the importance of embracing that process, competing against themselves. And so you have to figure out how your child's going to respond. And that, that comes down to asking those questions. But that's really where the base comes, asking questions and then encouraging the process piece, the characteristics, the traits we want them to embody and doubling down on those.
0: Um, and that's good. That's good, Jake. And, you know, uh, I've, thoroughly, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Now, one of the reasons why I named the podcast Athlete Maestro um, is the – idea of mastering your craft, you know, and, you know, you are a speaker, you know, you're into some sort of mental performance, maybe not tailored specifically to sports alone and things like that. But that's the idea behind that maestro part of it, you know, because I hear people listen to the podcast, like maestro, like, why would you call it Ashley Maestro? That's the reason why I did that. What would you say in your estimation, you know, in all the things you have seen, all the people you've related with, the places that you've spoken at? Now, I'm going to relate this to sports, you know, but your answer doesn't have to. What does it mean to be a master of
1: your craft? I think to be a master of your craft is simply a matter of continually working and committing to being better. And the reason I say that is because a master is not concerned with how many times they failed. They're only concerned with how they're going to get better. And so they're the ones that every single day are pushing a limit, pushing themselves, trying to build that skill set, not worrying about how much they fail, not worrying about how far they have to go, just asking how they can get better. And I think that's what we look at as the master because. The master doesn't look at themselves as one. They look at themselves Mm -hmm. as a work in progress. Other people are like, oh my gosh, you're such a master. You're so proficient. You're amazing. And they're like, no, I still have so much work to do. I'm just trying to get better every day. And that's where it separates is most people will never take the journey to ask how they can get better. So they never reach some, any level of master status. The master is not concerned about the status. They're just concerned about how do I get better?
0: Mm -hmm. Oh man, I agree with that. You know, and one of the things that I've heard people say about the podcast, you know, when they listen you know, to episodes like this between me and me, me and you, Jake, and you know, other people and and things like that, you know, they will say things like, "Ah, oh, Tola, you're so good." Like with this interview, things and the questions that you I've even had guests, you know, say it as well. You know, and one of the I just laugh because I feel like. not even arrived like i've not even gotten to any point where you know i feel like oh i'm really really good at this i'm nailing this down you know and because of that mentality you know every time i'm gonna have a guest on i don't i don't see it as a formality like for example to prepare for this episode i prepared for this episode for the past two days yeah like two days you know so looking you up on instagram going through your website Uh, your youtube page you know just getting some sort of context some sort of background so when you hear the conversation as seamless as it's going and things like that it's due to preparation so i agree with what you said in the sense that you know a master doesn't see themselves as having gotten to that point
1: yeah and that's that's a master skill at any sport You do the work. You consistently, you enjoy doing the work. You prepare for the moment. The person that gets on stage and and knocks it out of the park as a motivational speaker has given that speech hundreds of times in their office to nobody because they've practiced, nobody yeah. shows up arrived, no athlete shows up on game day arrived, you practice and you prepare. Um, and so that's why, that's obviously why you've done 500 episodes is, is you've taken something from every episode and said, what can I improve on? What did I do well? How can I do that again? How can I continue to research this? Why conversation flowed smooth here, it didn't here, why did it not, like you study it, you, you prepare, this is the game. And then I'm sure you watch game tape afterwards to say, oh, cool, here's how I'd like to do that differently. And that's the path to mastery in anything. Prepare, perform, review, tweak, and do it again. And we just forget that. I don't know why we forget that in life, (laughs) uh, but we forget it far too often. But that that is it. That is the key to sports, to parenting, to life. We prepare, we perform, we watch tape, and we do it again.
0: Before I ask you my final question, Jay, because I have to be mindful of your time, I'm going to tell you this story. So I have a webinar that I run for parents, you know, so, you know, trying to help them nurture their child's talents in sports, the things that they should know and things like that, you know, and every time I run the webinar, every time I run the webinar, you know, I'm, I'm literally waiting in front of my laptop, you know, waiting for the replay of the webinar so that I can start watching it, you know, and the first time that I did this and my wife saw me, you know, she was like, she was like. Like, are you recording another webinar? No. I was like, I'm watching the replay of the webinar I just did. You know, and you could see the shock on her face. Like, if you just did the webinar, why are you watching the replay? You know, so it, it aligns with the point that you just mentioned in the sense that, you know, you go back and you find ways that you can be better.
1: Yeah, you do. You do that. That, that is the one thing that over and over and over again we see in sports and in life. You look for opportunities on answering the question, how can I do better today? You do that. And it's not instant. It's not instantaneous, magic, microwavable success. But you watch it over enough time, and you can't help but see those results.
0: We've talked about so many things, Jake. We've talked about, you know, the, the compete everyday mindset. we talked about, um, you know, one of the choices out of the seven you know, that is contained in your book, we've talked about grits, we've talked about perseverance, uh, we've talked about parents, we've talked about so many things, tracking your progress, you know, being where your feet are, being in the moment, you know, not looking too far ahead and things like that. If there's an athlete that's listening to us, you know, and maybe they joined, you know, it's a podcast, so they can rewind, but you know, maybe they joined at minute 55, you know, so towards the end, you know, and they kind of missed everything that we talked about, or maybe they listened from the beginning, you know, and they've gotten to this point where they're a little bit confused in terms of, oh man, what do I now do? What is one thing that they can do? One thing that they can do that is going to get them a step closer to their goals today. They've had all the 50 things that we talked about, which are great, which are important, which are fundamental, you know, but they want one thing that they can do today that gets them a step closer to their goal. doesn't have to get them to the goal but a step closer to the goal. What would you say that one thing is?
1: Yeah, so the, the first is an easy plug for you. I think they should go back and listen to past episodes. If they're ready to take <laughs> their mental game to a new level, they should invest time in the podcast, which is, which is an easy. From an activity standpoint beyond that, the, the one thing I always challenge people with is to take out a notepad every night. Put it by your bed, put it mm. on your nightstand, put a pen there. And before you go to bed, you should write down one thing throughout the day that happened that you wished you would have done differently. Maybe you didn't give your best efforts in a workout. Maybe you took a a rep off. Maybe you didn't even handle an interaction with the spouse as well as you wanted. You were a little testy or, you know, hostile, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be anything major. It could be a small thing that you're like, "Mm, I I think I could do better. I wish I had a do over, write it down. And then right underneath it, write down next time I will and write down what you would do differently Mm. next time. And if you do this every single day, especially right before bed, it, it does a couple of things. The first is it primes your thoughts at night to remind you of who you want to become, the type of person you want to become, the things you want to do. It's, it's one of the last things you do before bed. So it's going to help stick that memory. The second is over the next week, two weeks, you can look back at your list and if you see you keep making the same thing, if the same thing keeps popping up, then you build the self-awareness to say, okay, I keep making this one error or this one shortcoming I want to change. What do I need to change about my environment, my friendships, my habits that's going to help me change that? Because ideally what we see is we look on this list and we see different things every day that we want to build on and improve on that help us become closer to the athlete, the individual we want to be. And when we start to see trends, it helps raise that self-awareness of, oh, this is something I need to work on intentionally And so it helps you become a better person, which helps you become a better teammate, which helps you set you up for sports and life success.
0: Uh, I have to agree with that. You know, I, I have something called the Athlete Maestro Daily Planner. You know, and I remember when I was playing sports and, you know, the minute I'm done with the game, just like I mentioned with the example with the webinar just now, you know, when I get home, like literally I'm asking myself, you know, what happened? What could I have done better? What could I have changed? You know, what were some of the mistakes that I made? I'm, I'm literally playing the game over in my mind. So I created that daily planner. And One of the things that I have on that daily planner, just like you mentioned, is the review part. You know, so you see a lot of athletes, they go to training. Once they're done in training, you know, they get home, they're looking for what to eat or they're trying to sleep. Yep. You know, that's about it. You know, throw that gym bag down, put it wherever it is you know, and maybe put on the TV, you know, see what you want to eat or you're just going to bed. And I feel like that is the wrong mindset. So what you've mentioned now resonates so well that, you know, even me, I'm going to start doing it. So next time I will do what in terms of changing, you know, certain behaviors and looking back at what I have done that day. That's, that's a That's a good one, Jake. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy this. Uh, Tell us where we can find you, um, how we can connect with you. Because I actually have many listeners in the United States as well. So how can they connect with you? And, you know, how do we just find you, Jake?
1: Well, first, thanks so much for having me. This has been a really fun conversation uh, to have with you. Easiest way to get in touch with me is Compete Every Day. Uh, You can go to competeeveryday.com, which is my website. You can find anything out about our apparel, podcast, book release. Uh, And then on social media, it's just compete day. Uh, we're on just about anything. I think we're most active probably on Instagram, similar to yourself, uh, but we're on any platform. So reach out, say hi, tell us you heard, us, heard about us on the show. Uh, we'd love to connect with you as well. Now, one of the things I always have is I always have athletes, you know, who
0: send me mails after episodes like this, you know, and they're like, oh, it was so good. You know, like when I add Alan on, I actually had someone email him and Alan was like telling me that, oh, one of the uh, listeners, you know, emailed me and all that, you know, what's your email, Jake? If you want to send an email to you, you know, ask any questions as it relates to competing every day, anything they're struggling with, you know, because one of the things that I would always say is that if you're going to send me a mail about this episode, you know, I want you to copy Jake in that email as well.
1: Yeah, so easiest email to get in touch directly with me is welcome at competeveryday.com. So W-E-L-C-O-M-E at competeeveryday.com.
0: Uh, fantastic. You know, I want to acknowledge you, Jake, for all that you do, you know, the good work that you're putting out there. You know, there's, there's a lot of self-preservation, you know, going on in the world in terms of everybody or I won't say everybody, most people doing stuff for themselves. How would it benefit me what am I going to get out of it? You know, and when you find people that have podcasts and they've, you know, done it for any length of time, you know, and, you know, just like your apparel brand as well, you know, it's a sign that you want to give back. It's a sign that you're concerned about other people doing well also, and it's just not about you, you know, and I want to thank you for that, you know, and for being genuine and for being true, you know, which which, which is something amazing. So thank you for that, Jay.
1: Thank you so incredibly much for having me on today and, and hopefully your audience got something out of it it was a blast.
0: I'm I'm literally laughing right now because guess what? I actually listened to the episode literally just the way that you were listening to the episode. So w- w- was it what I said it was going to be like you guys need to you need to send me a mail tola at athletemaster.com, and just like Jake dropped all his uh, social media handles as well, you know, I-, I need you to send him some love at Jake Thompson Speaks on Instagram, at Compete Every Day on Instagram, is at Jake A Thompson on Twitter as well. And of course, you can check out his website, you can order his book as well at Compete Every Day, Compete Every Day.com. Uh, was it as good, you know, as I said it was going to be? So, if you thought Gannon's episode was good ah man this one was literally super with jake you could you could feel that motivational vibe so for those of you who have had doubts about motivational speakers i'm sure you could feel that vibe and of course you could feel yourself pumping as well i I thoroughly enjoyed recording that one and everything that we spoke about that's what my mission is guys that is why i'm here my goal is to help you achieve peace of mind freedom and success in sports However way I'm going to do that, whether it's me teaching the way I've done for over 500 episodes or it's me bringing on a guest, you know, who goes on to become my friend, who I go on to learn from. Because as you guys are on this journey, do not forget, I am learning from these guys who are way ahead of me in this thing and of course that is what brings a smile to my face that is what brings joy to my face so i want you guys you know to show jake some love uh, send me a mail if you have any questions tola at also reach out to me on social media and i want you to tag jake as well jake thompson speaks on instagram jake a thompson on twitter and of course at compete every day uh, is uh, the brand's instagram and I-, I thoroughly enjoyed that one and i'm absolutely sure that you guys did head over to the website at com. check out the show notes check out all the free resources that are attached to that for you guys and of course if you haven't subscribed to the podcast i have you know some stellar episodes coming uh, in the coming weeks then of course you want to subscribe you also want to leave us a rating and review just just let me know are you enjoying this are you loving this who are people that you would want me to bring onto the podcast? in the nearest future. What your written and review does is that it shows others that this is a podcast to be listened to. If it wasn't a podcast to be listened to, Jake wouldn't have reached out you know, and wanted us to collaborate. So that's what your rating and review will do. If you don't know how to do that, head over to athletemaestral.com forward slash subscribe. Maestro.com forward slash subscribe where you're going to learn how to leave that rating and review. And you are also going to learn how to subscribe to the podcast if you have any questions don't forget send me a mail taller, at and of course connect with jake on social media as well i'll catch you guys on the next episode of the show remember knowing is not enough you must apply willing is not enough you must do i want you to go out there learn all the lessons you can from the ever impressive jake thompson i want you to go out there and i want you to be a maestro today and every single day.